everybody. Welcome to another episode of Courtside with Beal and some tennis, part of the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. Have with me, as always, Hall of Famer and co-host Steve Flink. I guess, Steve, we can describe this week uh, as a, a smorgasbord of events, I guess. Is that what we're going to do? We're going we're gonna to touch on a few different players and tournaments and kind of go from there? Yeah, absolutely, David. I always, when we have weeks like this that are with, with so much talent spread out all over the world, I always call it spreading the wealth. And I think, and, and as we discuss this, I think the listeners will agree with us because there was so much compelling tennis in so many different places and, and, and no, no, uh, no real gaps there. I mean, there was just a, it was a really interesting week. Yeah, it was. And, and, you know, we're recording Sunday night and about, I don't know, let's say about two hours ago, just had a final for the second week in a row where they met up. Carlos Alcaraz and Cam Norrie two weeks ago, Carlos beat him, beat Cam in straight sets. Match just happened a couple hours ago. Different result this time. Cam 7-5 in the third. Carlos hobbled a little bit, but let's not take uh, much away from Cam. I mean, he, whenever you beat Carlos, you're going to have to fight like crazy, which you did. Um, I'll toss it on over to you, Steve. Yeah, David, you alluded to it. It's two weeks in a row. It's it's the same final two weeks in a row. That actually hasn't happened on the ATP Tour since Murray and Djokovic did it back in the spring of 2016. That shows you how unusual it is. But both of them were playing really well on the clay. As you said last week, it was Carlos three and five in the finals. It could have even been worse because he was up a set in five, two. And Nori did a good job to get it back to five all. This was totally different. Now, it, 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 as you mentioned, Carlos was having, did have a leg issue. It appears to be, uh, you know, the upper similar to what Djokovic had in Australia, you know, up, upper leg uh, uh, on his upper leg. Although it was yesterday in the semis, it was the left leg. Today it was the right leg. We're going to find out more because Carlos, to his credit, David didn't want to talk about it going into the final. Didn't want, and I, I doubt he'll say too much today, even other than that. I have to believe after this week and after how much he struggled physically today that he'll take he won't go through with his commitment to Acapulco I hope he doesn't to save himself for um, Indian Wells but in any case it was a really exhilarating match because Carlos won the first set on just broke at the end of the set against Nori to win at 7-5 after Nori saved the set point at 4-5 and then Carlos raced to a three love lead in the second set and had love 30 on Nori's serve at that stage I'm looking at it and thinking this could be five in love you really had that feeling that he was going to run the match out similar to what he'd done in the third set against Jerry in the semifinals when he'd been in danger and down a set and locked at five on the second set. And then he just charged through the remainder of the match. I thought that could happen, but Nori managed to hold serve. And the next thing you know, he's won six out of seven games. And in the midst of all this, Carlos, Carlos had to get his leg taped up and, uh, you know, they later removed the bandage or tape, whatever you want to call it, because it was so uncomfortable. But it was not as if he was hot. You never felt, I never felt at least, that he was going to retire or default. I didn't see it happening. His camp at one stage in the third set wanted him to, but he refused. And what he was doing was going for broke at times, but being as gifted as he is, he was just, he was hitting spectacular forehand winners that you just were lifted out of dreams. They were so good. And so... so what happened is he had that lead in the second set, as I mentioned, before Nori comes back. Then in the third, Carlos goes up to love in the third as well. Nori then wins the next three games. And from there, it was just a tremendous tussle. Uh, 
And eventually, Nori had to serve to stay in the match at four or five. He played a great game to hold on for five all. And then at five all, uh, Carlos recovered from Love 40 back to Deuce and got to the ad with just an, an, an astonishing forehand winner from way wide of the court, maybe the shot of the year. But Nori still managed to break him and finally served it out. I think he deserved it, David. He was the more solid player. But Carlos, as usual, competed as only he can. They say he has that champion's mentality because he just won't give in. And yes, he went for shots that were against the odds, but he also mixed things up. He tried a lot of different things mm. in, in the course of trying to salvage this match. And was very sporting afterwards with Nori up at the net. And they, they talked to each other a bit. and. It was it was a it was a hard earned, hard fought triumph for Nori, well deserved. And let's just hope that in Carlos, who was who we you could tell has got an issue there, a serious issue, trying to play through it, that he's wise about his schedule for the next month. And that I certainly hope he wouldn't try to make this three straight weeks and go on to Acapulco. And that could be a dangerous move. I I, I strongly suspect he will not make that mistake. Yeah, and you, you know, you mentioned. The, the amazing shot that we all know we've seen on social media now. Um, if you didn't see it during the match, but um, in, the, in today's final, he had yesterday, he also had, uh, I mean, yeah, it's a close competition to shot of the year on that one yesterday. Yeah. And it reminds me, I know, I mean, we say it's almost Rafa-esque. Of course, Rafa is lefty and more looping spin and maybe some curve, more curve to the ball. But Carlos is uh, is very similar to Rafa in the, the magical shots he can make from impossible positions off the court. Yeah. And each of them off the forehand side, obviously Rafa being a lefty forehand, there right. is some difference, but yes, he made one that was the, that broke the match open yesterday against Jerry gave him the break for two love in the third. It was a passing shot down the line. This one was not a passing shot, but what was fascinating, David was how Nori questioned the call. I can understand it because it, it seemed so improbable that that ball oh, could have <laughs> hooked into the court, curled in, but it did. And when we saw the replay, of course, they don't have any challenges there or electronic lines, which I wish they at least had challenges, but the replay was conclusive. You could see it was right smack on the line. And yeah. to Nori's credit, he came from game point down and still managed to get that break and then serve it out. He was very composed and he was in a tough position because he could tell that Carlos was now playing a little more audaciously than he might normally. He also was coming in behind returns at a, one stage, serving and volleying a lot. There, there was a lot for Nori to look at and to ponder, but he managed to get through it. And in the end, I think, deservedly so. Yeah. And like you said, let's hope uh, everyone gets healed up quickly. And if Carlos doesn't play next week, Let's get focused for uh, the Sunshine Double of Indian Wells and Miami because both those guys are going to be a, a load to to handle. Um, not but only Dave, for those one last two. point. One last point, if I may. It, it, it isn't even just a matter of Carlos thinking about this near term. He has got to really pace himself through the years. Yes. And if you think back to when he had to retire against Felix at the U.S. Open in 2021. Uh, you know, that was obviously he came back and won the tournament last year, but that was a big major splash. First time he made a big splash at a major and he beaten Sitsipas at that tournament. He retired at a set down with a leg injury against Felix. And then the injuries that he had at the end of last year, uh, which really kept him out, starting with the Paris Bercy event and kept him out of the year end championships, Davis, Davis Cup, all kinds of stuff. 
and then kept him out of the Australian Open. Another injury kept him out of the Australian Open. So it was a, he, he's had a lot of woes, you might say, a lot of issues with, with his body. And he's, he's clearly a very fit young man, but he's got to pace himself. And we, we want to see him around this game into his 30s, like the three icons of this generation. And that will only happen if he gets wise counsel and if he's willing at certain times to say, no, I'm putting the racket down for a few weeks. I'm going to save myself. No argument from me, and I don't think you're going to have an argument from most tennis fans because, like you said, we all want to see him uh, for a long, long time. Let's move it over to the women's side. Um, Iga Sviatek, she was rolling until the final. She did not win the tournament, but she was rolling. And and for people who see this on the video on the YouTube, um, I'm looking at my phone now because I wanted to repeat a, a text that I saw. Um, it was a tweet from Bastion. Um, Fashion, I follow him on Twitter. I may have screwed up his last name, and I'm, I apologize for that. But through the Coco match, which I'll talk to you about, Steve, through the Coco match, it said it would take the total number of games scored by Sviatek's last six opponents combined just to beat her in two close tie breaks. What that means is she was just rolling people, absolutely rolling people. The match that a lot of people were looking forward to, I know Brad Gilbert got up early, I believe, to watch. He mentioned it on Twitter, too, was the Ego and Coco match. Ego won 6-4, um, Steve, anything you want to you wanna mention in that match? Well, I thought Coco's first set against Ego is maybe the best set she'd ever played against Ego. She wasn't rewarded for it very well, but she came from a couple of breaks down and nearly made it back to 5 all. And her forehand during that stretch was holding up remarkably well, and she served well. And it was a really, I thought perhaps that momentum would carry into the second set that we had a tighter second set, but Iga got on a roll again, and that was that. But I don't think Coco should be discouraged. And I mean, obviously, uh, Iga was in the midst of a magical spell that you just described from your friend on social media. But uh, then we had what was something of a shocker in the final, no doubt about it. It's um, I, we'll, we'll see how Iga continues her year because I think like you get, once she gets hot, I still feel we're cheated that we didn't get the Iga Ash Barty rivalry and we're not going to get that. Um, that would have been something to see. But um, you remember Iga? What was it? Thirty-seven matches in a row over yep. the course of last summer. We'll see if she gets uh, someone on a, a, a similar role. I mean, when she's playing well, she's playing well. Let's switch it back over to the men now. Like I no, said, David, gotta... quick, just quickly before we go to the men, if I may, Krejcikova, let's give her full marks. She wins the tournament. She was down a set and 3-1. She was getting beat 6-3-1 by Sabalenka, who, of course, has won the Australian Open and was on a big winning streak herself and somehow won, won that match. Then beat Jess Pagula and then beats Iga. So she's only the fifth woman to beat the top three players, top three seeds at an event. It, you know, since the WTA started tracking those records and that and three of those women are Steffi Graf and the Williams sisters. Sabalenka was the fourth. So that just shows you the elite company she's in. So I'm hoping, David, that she started this week off at number 30 in the world and goes to 16 now. I, we know she's won a major already. This yeah. is her first 1000. I hope she keeps going because she played really spectacular tennis. And that was after saving a bunch of match, match points in the early rounds there. She could have been out of this tournament in the second round to save match points. And so I think she's this maybe will ignite her and get her back to the level that we saw from her 
and, and propel her toward the top 10. That's where she belongs. I'm, I'm glad you raised that because it reminded me something of Jessica, um, Jesse Pagula's tweet on her birthday. She got bageled on her birthday. It was so funny. She said, as a, you know, on her tweet, she goes, how is it to be a professional tennis player? And her response, she answered her own question. She said, well, I got bageled on my birthday. I'm eating a bag of Doritos and I'm waiting for a 16 hour flight back to the United States. So <laughs> it was really, really fun. Jesse's a character and we all know Jesse's been sensational over the last couple of years. Um, yeah, great run and great run by Barbara. And again, looking forward to seeing her um, the rest of the year. Okay, Andy Murray. And and I guess the joke we can make here is we promise the segment on Andy won't be as long as his matches have been because it just have been unbelievable. Um, it continues, Steve, um, the crazy long matches. Now, the nice part about this week with Andy was he was able to make a deep run by getting to the finals, right? Usually those matches, those early round matches take so much out of him. He doesn't continue to make that run. He even wins a first set six love over uh, Lechevka. And then he had to save five match points in that same match. He just doesn't make it easy on himself. Uh, no ifs, ands, or buts with that statement. That said, it was great to see him get to the final. He lost to Daniil Medvedev 6-4, 6-4. But uh, what, what more can you say about Andy? No, is it you just you set it up well, and it was a, a wonderful week for him. Could have been out of there in the first round. He saved three match points, and then the Lahetska match that you just alluded to was ridiculous because uh, Andy wins that six love first set, loses the second, goes down three five in the third, saves two of the match points. Then on his own serve, was a little fortunate to get out of those, and then Lahetska serves for the match five four forty love, and Andy somehow got out of that and eventually won it in the tiebreak. So. And despite all that, David, he acquitted himself well in the final. It was four and four against Medvedev. Medvedev was winning his second title in a row. He's back in really stellar form. But Andy did it really put on a good show in that final. And now he's supposed to go on now to Dubai. Uh, we'll see. I, I hope he can keep that commitment. I suspect he will. And we'll see if he can keep going because he's got himself now just outside the top 50 in the world. So he's he was rewarded for the hard work he put in this week and the clutch efforts. And he talked afterwards about Djokovic and how Djokovic has this mindset and how many times Novak has saved match points. And you can tell he's very proud to be sort of, he's not putting himself alongside Novak, but he is showing himself to be a, an outstanding clutch performer, especially these days. Unbelievable. And, and again, credit to, to Medvedev. I, I know I texted you uh, separately and I would not have guessed this number. Now, we all, we all know he won the U.S. Open. He has that. But this victory, he now has 17 titles already. Steve, if you said on it, when I first read it, I was like, really, 17? That's a lot. If, you had to, if I had to pick an over-under on what that number was, it would, be, it would not be 17. It would be somewhat less than 17. That's, that's quite extraordinary. It is extraordinary, and it's, you have to take it back to the summer of 2019 when he got to six finals in a row, including the U.S. Open final. And that's when he started acquiring the habit of not going, getting to finals and winning his share of titles. And, of course, uh, the, the crown jewel in the group is that 2021 U.S. Open when he deprived Novak Djokovic of the Grand Slam. But Medvedev is a guy that... Uh, it, uh, this is a nice turnaround for him, David, after losing the court at the Australian Open and he hadn't had a good end of last year. He didn't win a match at the year-end championships despite going to a final set tiebreak in all three of his clashes. So now 
he seems to be reacquiring the habit of winning. What I liked the most about him was not just that he put back the brick wall at the back of the court and said, you're not getting anything out of my reach and I'm giving you nothing, but that he, his attitude was so good. There was no more of this kind of looking over at his coach and his wife and moaning and, and complaining and acting like the victim. He just got on with it. And he said after the final, David, that he wasn't happy with the balls. Now, this is not somebody who's complaining. He's just won the title. But they had changed the balls this year. He didn't like them for whatever the reasons. And yet, obviously, didn't let that get in his way. It's going to be interesting to follow him now that he's got himself back in kind of a winning mode. Yeah. No, well said. Um, all right. Back over to the female side. This is like our own tennis match, Steve. We go male, <laughs> female, male, female. We told the, we told the listeners we're going to be all over the place. And, and we truly are. Um, someone who we've talked about, especially near the end of this past year, who we're both very high on and has been playing better, Katie McNally. She had a really rough, rough match last night. She loses the first set. She's then up big in the second, squanders that lead, but survives it, winning a second set tiebreaker. And then, Steve, all tennis players know this feeling. If you play it long enough, uh, you're going to win when you're not supposed to, and you're going to lose when you're supposed to win. Up four love in the third to get to what I believe would be her first final, facing Rebecca Peterson in the semi, loses six games in a row, and Rebecca wins that third 6-4. This was in Mexico. Um, She did just a little while ago win the doubles final, so that is a nice consolation prize. She has done well in doubles. Y'all know her played Mikoko with with Coco. Now Coco's playing a lot with Jessica, Jessica Pagula, but Katie's a very good doubles player. Um, she's starting to make deeper runs in, in, you know, some of these smaller WTA events, um, two fifties, let's say, um, she's doing better. You and I, I know are both high on her. I'm eager to see how she does the rest of the year. I'm friendly with her coach, Kevin, Kevin O'Neill. And we texted this morning about it. I'm not going to share what was said because that's private, but, um, yeah, obviously disappointing, um, with what happened last night, but they're on the right road here. They're, they're, they're trending upward in the right direction. Uh, David, I, you know, I'm sure that he, Kevin will remind her that that was a semifinal. If you squander that lead in the first round, you could leave that week very frustrated at what the opportunities you might've had that you didn't get. This I was, it's true. She didn't get an opportunity to play the final, but it's a good run to be in the semis and you learn from those types of losses so I don't think she's going to be deflated or that discouraged by it. I think it, it, it was definitely a step in the right direction. And I, I'm sure she will keep that, keep that in perspective, that it was still a, a significant accomplishment to make it to the penultimate round. Yes. No, I, I, I well said, and I agree. And I'm really eager, I know you are too, to see um, how she does the rest of the year. Okay. Acapulco, one of the most fun tournaments of the year, I think. I'm sure they'll keep it the same, but I don't think any match starts before like 4 p.m. local time. Usually the players love it. Um, Players have gone out, stayed up late. They know matches don't start until four. The men really seem to like this event. Um, It starts tomorrow, Monday, when we release this uh, episode. Should be interesting again. We don't know who's going to be, you know, a last minute withdrawal. And then after that, Steve, it comes up on us in a hurry. The sunshine double of Indian Wells in Miami. You got March Madness then. So any college basketball tennis fan, that is like the the best time of the year. Um, 
so much to look forward to these next few weeks. Yeah, and one of the players who I think we want to keep an eye on in that span is is, a, is another title winner this this week, Hubie Hercotch, mm-hmm. who came through in Marseille. So I think Hubie, who's won Miami before, uh, is going to be looking forward to that Sunshine Double. He's a, he's a great player, and he hadn't been necessarily at his best in recent months, but this was kind of an uplifting triumph for him, and I'll be watching him closely in those events and everybody else as well because that's always a really – fascinating time in the tennis calendar prior to the clay court circuit and it's a you know it's it's the last chance for guys to players to really make their mark on the hard course before that grueling clay court season starts and i as we speak we still don't know what the status of Djokovic for those events but we certainly know everybody else will be there can't wait it's such a fun time uh if you're a sports fan it's just such a fun time of the year Weather's also getting better in those cold weather states. So a lot of positive things to look forward to. Um, Steve, thank you for your time. This was a, we, we, we covered a, a, again, a lot over, you know, a broad spectrum. That's what it was. That's what some of the weeks are on the tours. Um, lots to look forward to. And we'll, uh, we'll keep everyone updated as uh, the, the great tennis continues on in 2023. Thanks so much. Steve. Thank you, David. I enjoyed it.